So all those dams built along the Colorado River starting over 100 years ago, they paved the way for Western cities to boom. Vegas wouldn't exist without Lake Mead. But these dams came with a cost, environmental impact, cultural loss, and fraught downriver politics. So as the deadline looms for figuring out Western states' river allocation, we got to ask, was Lake Mead a mistake? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I sit down with UNLV hydrology professor David Kramer to talk about the past, present, and possible future of Lake Mead. It's Monday, April 17th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Dr. David Kramer, professor of hydrology at UNLV, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Thank you very much. Well, I want to talk about Lake Mead. It started filling up as a man-made lake in late 1934. Take me through how and maybe why Nevada wound up with a giant lake where there was none before. Well, Hoover Dam was the first major dam on the Colorado River. And the river was really allocated several years before to different states. After 11 years of negotiation in 1922, there was something called the Colorado River Compact, where the seven states of the Colorado River apportioned the river out according to the river flow. Uh, At the time, Nevada only had a little over 2,000 people, and so they got the lowest allocation of any state as far as the water on the river. They measure it in something called acre-feet, and it's a farming term. It's uh, a foot of water depth over an acre, you know, for about maybe a family of four for a year, it can supply that amount of water. Uh, The problem right from the get-go was that the historical flow was much less. They allocated it at a time of high flow. And and what I'm I'm reading, doctor, is that Las Vegas kind of got screwed, that we had some bad math, some bad formulas, not great representation at the time, and now new challenges make it even harder. Yeah. And since about 2000, a combination of extended severe drought and an overallocation of water rights, uh, they're depleting the Colorado River and particularly Lake Mead. Uh, Lake Mead is uh, at a low level. It's only about at 30% capacity right now. Uh, it's got a bathtub ring around it uh, where the water has come down. Yeah, uh, and as someone who's lived here my whole life, it's pretty stark going out there, seeing the difference than what I recall from my childhood. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm personally a, a kayaking enthusiast, and uh, we were kayaking over uh, parts of the lake and structures that are now high above us uh, when we kayak. And so, yeah, the lake is is really depleted for those people who have gone out there and watch this steady drop of the lake level. I have one question, though, because I have no idea what the Colorado River looked like prior to the dam being built and and Lake Mead being created. What was the natural flow of the Colorado River as it related to our neck of the woods? Well, it was really quite variable. Without dams, there were times where it would rain 
and you'd have snow melt in the spring and the flow would be very, very high. And then at other times, it would be really quite low. And with dams and reservoirs, the releases could be controlled. And the good thing about that is it reduced uh, flooding and it allowed allocation of water for agriculture. But the disadvantage of that is when you spread water out in a large lake, you can have evaporative losses and you can have uh, seepage losses into the, the banks of, of the lake, uh, which is a particular problem up at Lake Powell where they have a lot of sandstone that is sort of water greedy and water can infiltrate down below. So the combination of evaporation and uh, infiltration loss into a lake depletes uh, a good percentage of the river water. Now, Las Vegas gets 90% of its water from Lake Mead. I understand that that really kind of shifted in the early 1970s when uh, a pipeline was installed. And then the decision was made that all of Nevada's share of the river water go to Las Vegas. Uh, would we have developed in, in such a dramatic fashion to have such a high population now if it wasn't for that effort in the early 1970s? Probably not. We have made great strides in water conservation mm. in the last 30 years or so. In fact, uh, in spite of our population growth over the last couple of decades, our water use has actually declined overall. And so per person, our per capita water use has really gone down with conservation efforts. And in, in another move, we have something called managed aquifer recharge. It's sort of water in the bank. In other words, when water um, in the winter is not as necessary for you know outside water use and things like that, we have a little bit of a surplus. And so we've pumped it underground here in Las Vegas, sort of like water in the bank, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then in the summer, when water use is high, we pump it back out. Uh, we have these reversible pumps. And so that's called managed aquifer recharge. And we've done it so well that now we are also banking water in Arizona and California as well. Uh, sort of like uh, not water for a rainy day. That's the uh, opposite <laughs> analogy. But you, but for, uh, for a drought, we, we have some backup. Yeah. Water under the mattress as opposed to in the mattress. Yeah. I'm not yeah, really. So to speak. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the benefits of the dam and having Lake Mead there might be obvious. You know, we get that water for Las Vegas. Uh, it generates all that power. But I presume there's also negative consequences of a creation of something like Lake Mead. L let's start with the environmental cost. What has that been for the 90 or so years of having Lake Mead? Well, whenever you uh, put a reservoir in and put a dam in, there are several things that occur. Uh, as I mentioned before, you lose water through evaporation. Also, the Colorado River, as you go downstream, gets saltier and saltier. Agriculture, uh, when they irrigate crops, some of the water under the soil is brought back to the river and it collects some salts and the water quality decreases. Also, with sunlight on uh, water, it can develop algae and other things of that sort to reduce the water quality. There are also invasive species. There's a certain clam-like species called quagga mussels. Right. They're spreading throughout the West. And when you take a boat down the Lake Mead, you're supposed to clean it off so you don't carry the quagga mussels to other places. Hey, 
Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked-about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. So what happens to the water by the time it reaches its uh, natural end, which would be in Mexico? Well, in the past, uh, it was so salty that it really killed crops, uh, and the farmers Oof. in Mexico didn't like it. During the Nixon administration, it was decided to put uh, a desalination plant on the U.S. border with Mexico. It was very expensive. It had trouble being uh, workable, but uh, it now supplies fresher water to Mexico so the farmers can continue, although it is quite expensive. And a disadvantage of a desalination plant is you get a fraction of fresh water, which is what you want, but you also create a brine by taking the salts out of a certain portion of the water, and you have to do something with that salty brine. So where does that brine go? There's different ways to treat it. Uh, there's ways to put it in evaporation ponds and uh, just let uh, the water evaporate and it becomes like a salt bed. Sometimes it's put out to sea where it can dilute. So hmm. there are different ways to treat it. I'm wondering if there's kind of a, a general assessment of the fraught politics that the Colorado River dams have sort of wrought upon us, as some people are talking about decommissioning some of those dams. Yeah, there's talk about decommissioning some of the dams. Uh, some of that is environmentally motivated. Lake Powell, for example, uh, as it filled up, covered up some Native American uh, sites and uh, very, very beautiful canyons. Um, and as it's coming down, these canyons are emerging again, and they're actually uh, quite spectacular in some cases. Senator Barry Goldwater, who was a noted conservative in the 60s and 70s, and he was one of the first people to go through the Grand Canyon. He was a photographer before he was a senator. He said the only vote he regretted in Congress, or he regretted the most, was the vote to create Lake Powell behind Glen Canyon Dam, which went mm. in in the early 60s. And so the idea particularly of decommissioning Glen Canyon Dam and uh, Lake Powell is a little bit stronger right now than Lake Mead, as there's a little bit more dependency right now on Lake Mead with cities like Las Vegas. Now, from what I'm hearing, though, is that the politics aren't just of the normal variety, but we also have that sort of loss of cultural and natural resources, such as indigenous historical sites and canyons. I mean, we even lost cities in the beginning, like St. Thomas, etc. So not exactly a perfect system when we start putting dams on a natural river. 
Uh, you know, when, when they first allocated and over-allocated the river, the president, Herbert Hoover, predicted the basin's population, which was just about 450,000 people in the Colorado River Basin in 1915. He predicted it would quadruple. Today, the river serves, uh, depending on your estimates, between 30 and 40 million people, more than 20 times right. his prediction. Right. And so the negotiations for in the future for how this over-allocated river is going to be reallocated uh, is very complicated with Native Americans now claiming a senior water right of about 30% of the river, which is a fairly new development in the last uh, few years, in addition to uh, the rights of the states in Mexico. Yeah. So, Professor Kramer, we, we've talked about a lot of the downsides of Lake Mead coming on as well. Here's the 46 million dollar question, or at least the 46 million visitor question, was Lake Mead maybe not the best way to go for doing what it did to the Colorado River? I'm not sure I really agree with that because it does control the river. It creates a, a very clean type of power, a hydroelectric power. That's the good thing about reservoirs and lakes. And it then can be used for hydropower and for agricultural use and for your our city use here in Las Vegas. I think that in the future, what you'll see is better management. I mentioned uh, managed aquifer recharge where we put water underground here in Las Vegas, but also agriculture uh, practices might be able to be changed. Estimates vary, but agriculture uses about 70 to 80% of the Colorado River's water. Uh, and it irrigates about 15% of the nation's farmland. It produces about 90% of the nation's winter vegetables. And a lot of that goes to um, cattle feed, alfalfa, and forage crops. The estimates are about half of, of the flow goes to feed cattle and livestock. And it's because it's a very profitable crop. But, but alfalfa is very water greedy. And so I think if I were to predict what's going to happen, you're going to see over time a shift in water uh, use. The ones that are likely to particularly be strained by water rationing might be uh, wheat, corn, berries, fresh produce, and alfalfa and hay, I think are going to be more and more stressed uh, if water rationing ever starts occurring for our agricultural crops. I guess if I could summarize, we're going to keep Lake Mead. We just have to manage it better with some changes to the way some of the users farm and possibly even have to deal with rationing water, which people seem to be really upset about. Yeah. Um, it's hard to predict the future. Uh, we've had a very good year for water. The snowpack is well above average, but climate change can exacerbate uh, severe droughts the precipitation can become more and more unpredictable. You can get more wildfires. And even with the high snowpack right now, uh, the input to Lake Powell is only about maybe 79% of the April 10th average for previous years. And this will probably change as the large snowpack that we presently have begins to melt. That's going to come up. But we're not out of the woods. Um, one year of good snowpack is not enough to even appreciably begin to raise the level of the major reservoirs of Lake Powell and Lake Mead. 
Yeah. And, you know, just reading news accounts of it, it's one of those things that makes your, you know, heart rate elevate and your blood pressure go up and down wildly uh, with some of the dire conditions, dire predictions. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about the final straw, the last straw, all these things. What would happen if Lake Mead dried up? Would Las Vegas just have to go away? There's something called Deadpool. Um, when the lake level drops to a certain level. And so right now, the actual water level above sea level is 1,046 feet above sea level. If it drops to 950 feet above sea level, hydropower cannot be generated anymore. And then that's 90, 96 more feet lower. And if it drops uh, 150 feet lower, to about 890, uh, 895 feet above sea level, no more water can be passed through the dam to California or other places. So when you say dries up, uh, you're talking probably about Deadpool. At that point, though, Las Vegas can still draw water. Do we suffer the quality of the water when we get that low? Uh, yeah, the water quality would probably diminish. As uh, you get less and less water, it, it can heat up more and more. Uh, as it heats up more and more, that makes it more prone to uh, more sunlight, more algae growth. There are some really bad algaes that can grow in lakes that can produce toxins, which are not good. And so the uh, Las Vegas Valley Water District and the Southern Nevada Water Authority, they're on the lookout for that, that sort of water quality change. But I, I do want to ask, is Lake Mead Las Vegas's responsibility at this point? Or are we too dependent on the actions of less water-wise cities and states upriver? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, we have our allocation. And so right now, we're not as dependent on other cities. But in the long term, if uh, water's wasted in other places, that could be a problem. You know, despite the water crunch right now, Utah is thinking of big pipelines that would take water from Lake Powell and, you know, pump it great distances to St. George and other really quickly growing communities uh, and extract even more water from the Colorado River system. And so, again, that's part of the um, negotiation and legal game that's going to come up in the future where people are going to have to start making reasonable decisions. Yeah, our, our reclamation efforts are pretty legend at this point. A lot of people are looking at us as a, a model for that. Hey, Dr. Kramer, I really appreciate you taking the time to explain uh, a little bit about Lake Mead. I think even people who have lived here a really long time, we don't know all the facts about that uh, big, fun, recreational uh, area uh, that is so important, not just to Las Vegas, but uh, really the country. And I, I do, again, appreciate you taking the time. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And here's more Lake Mead news. Last week, the Biden administration gave Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland the authority to cut Colorado River water allocations. While only a draft, the ominous tones suggest that if states like Nevada and California, along with native tribes, don't work out their own deal, massive cuts will be coming starting summer 2024. And as the states battle it out, in other news, a Native American tribe in Arizona did reach a deal with the U.S. government. 
the Gila River Tribe agreed to keep its annual allocation of 125,000 acre-feet in its current storage at Lake Mead instead of using it. That's in exchange for $150 million and funding for a pipeline project. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you got friends who are as anxious about Lake Mead as I am, send them this episode. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the valley. Take care. Check, check. Rawr, 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 SpongeBob. Oh.